Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson Razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jeff Pelletier. The purpose of our podcast is a simple question. Why is Israel important? Over the next many episodes, my partner Neil Johnson and I will seek to answer this question. There are just barely over 14 million descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the world today, and about five and a half million of them live in Israel. The rest are scattered across and among the nations. For the sake of our podcast, Israel is both a country and a people. Welcome back, folks, to Israel. Why is the Middle East important? Last time we had a great conversation about the movie Top Gun and how Israel plays a role in that movie without it even being mentioned and how Iran is part of that. And it's just a great, highly recommend that show to you. And then the show before that was our show about Passover. And and Pentecost. I'm sorry. The show before that was about Pentecost. The show before that was about Passover. So that just giving you a heads up, folks, that there's uh, some really cool uh, shows preceding this one. Uh, in the last show, towards the end, we talked about this thing that we call Catholic Light, L-I-T-E Light, and uh, we're going to get into that today. We're going to get into that uh, in, a, in 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 a in a really good way, in a really specific way, in a really uh, educational way, helpful way. Uh, this isn't about uh, criticizing anybody or, or, or being uh, insulting to anybody. It's not about that. It's, a, it's about finding the truth and understanding it and, and uh, helping everybody that listens to the show to get to that same place about Israel and the Middle East. Okay? Because as we said a couple shows ago, I forget which one it was, but we said that, that, that the... Uh, Bible begins in the Middle East, and the Bible ends in the Middle East, and if you connect those two dots, you understand everything in between. And so that's a really powerful little fact that's amazingly, it's simple to say, but if you think about it, if you connect the rest of the Bible to those two points, then you got to figure it out. Okay, here we go. So Neil... um, I want to chat a bit about you and I before we get into this. Uh, So I'm just going to talk about myself a little bit, Uh, just just so people. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, folks. You can link find my LinkedIn. You can you can find my Facebook page. You can find our Facebook page. Israel wise, the Middle East important. um, All of these things. But you know, I come to I come to this conversation uh, having done a couple of uh, other programs and a podcast that I do about life's core purpose, which is something that I work on. But I've been uh, spent my entire uh, life since I became a Christian trying to help people integrate their faith into their everyday life. And I have a foundation called the uh, Foundation for Excellence in Faith and Work because uh, most people spend the most of their time, the most waking hours, at work. 
So uh, I focus on that a lot. It's, it's a nonprofit that I started. And uh, about 30-some years ago, I met this guy, Neil, Neil Johnson. And uh, we had, it turned out we were going to the same church, and we, we, just, we just started a conversation. And Neil was quite passionate about this, about Israel. And uh, he talked about Israel and, 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 uh, and Christianity in a way that was very, very intriguing to me and challenging to me because I came to it with certain presuppositions, right? And I thought, well, this, is, this, is, this guy's crazy, but I'm going to listen to him. And, uh, you know, it, it turns out that, uh, that Neil has uh, a, a really profound history in his own life uh, with Israel. So my view is, and I respect people who know what they're talking about, my, my view is that Neil knows Israel. He understands it really well. And that's why I suggested to him we do this show, because I want everybody to understand what Neil has taught me and how he's and and you know because he's taught me in the right way i can challenge him now even and he challenges me and we have these great conversations and that led to the show that we have in these great conversations so so neil let me ask you a question i, I talked about myself for a little bit but you've been to israel how many times yeah so um i i've i've counted that up many times but i'm going to just say 12 plus maybe well well to, 12 to, is the right number right I to mean, israel yeah well that's a good number tribes, yeah. well you know. there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's a lot of that's a lot of time how much time uh you know when you when you go there when you when you go there now and and uh do you have a uh well, no, I'm not going to ask that question. I'm going to ask that question later. So, what did you first notice about Israel when you the first the first time you went? Yeah. What What did you What was the impression you got? Well, um, my first impression that I got was certainly not from necessarily any kind of an education or sitting under the tutelage of somebody uh, and understanding Israel. Yeah. So uh, that can be think, a blessing. Right? It, 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 to me, it was yeah. actually. But yeah. to answer your question, my first impression was that it was a wonderful place. Uh-huh. It was very, to me. Uh, uh, home-like. It felt very good there. You felt uh, at home I, I really did, mm. as far as that goes mm. for me personally mm-hmm. uh, and what I did. When I first went there, I was very young, and uh, mm. I worked there as a volunteer mm. uh, on a kibbutz, actually. A kibbutz, which but is a, like a commune. Right? It, it's a collective commune yeah. is what yeah. it was, and mm-hmm. that's how the land was first uh, mm. reclaimed, as it were. Mm. It was a dangerous place. Mm. Uh, but... To answer your question, yes, I went there and did not have a very well-formed or no-formed idea of the significance of Israel the very first time. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answers your question, yeah, but the that's very, the feeling the very I first had. Time. Mm-hmm. And how did you develop over over the years as you went back? Mm-hmm. When I, I don't I don't suppose there was a there was an aha moment for you, right? Because uh, you're not that kind of guy. You 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 things appear to you and and, and they connect. The dots connect for you, and then, then you start to develop a, an, an opinion. But what what uh, 
what's the understanding you got? Right. Yeah, so uh, for me personally, I've actually been asked that in the past as though I sat under, like I said, the tutelage of somebody. And, you know, now I know about whatever the doctrine du jour is, uh, whatever it is. Uh And mine was Israel, so who taught you that? Well, what I always say is um, that's not how it worked for me. What worked for me is I simply read the Bible. Because people ask me that, and I think I've told you, and even on air before, people say, well, how did you come to that conclusion? I said, it's very simple. It's in the Bible, Hmm. Uh, which kind of relates to our whole idea of the plain and literal. So did you come to the Bible in your, did you come to the Bible in, with the idea of, of learning about Israel? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. I, I, I knew okay. virtually nothing about Israel mm. and mm. still to this day feel like I know nothing about mm. how can you know the enormity of God's mm. land, God's people, mm. God's ideas, God's mm. concept. I mean, as soon as we invoke that idea of God, we have really said to ourselves, <laughs> I have now disqualified myself from rendering any opinions about this because it's yeah. beyond my pay grade, right? Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, I, I was quote-unquote, saved, if you will, had a Damascus Road experience with the reality of the spirit realm, never brought up in that, and uh, started reading the Bible. But the first real, as you could say, church I went to where there was teaching, only in hindsight do I realize, well, that was a very anti-Semitic church. I didn't realize it at the time. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you went to an, uh, what, what turned out to be an anti-Semitic church or a, ch- a church that really doesn't think Israel is important. And that's more what I mean by yeah, anti-Semitic. Yeah. Not outright, outwardly yeah. hostile, right. but just the basic sort of commonly understood assumptions based on innuendo and yeah. reference and quips yeah. and stuff. Sure. They were not Jew-centric, Jew-centric. or Jew-thankful or, or, is- or Israel-centric or Israel-thankful. Yeah. Or Israel yeah. thankful. They were quite the opposite. Well, not said, it was just well understood that, well, we are we, we're the ones who ultimately are the heirs, and okay. we've got it. All right. Well, stay tuned for more about that, folks, as we get into Catholic light in a few minutes here. Uh, so I consider you, Neil, because you've been there 12 times. Mm-hmm. You've worked there. You, you, you have connections there. Uh, you, you are very well plugged in. Uh, you read a ton, and you've turn, turned me on to some, some uh, Reb, Rabbi Weiss. Is that the guy? Uh, is, uh, no, I forget his name. Anyway, there's a rabbi that I read every a lot, and that you turned him on to me, and uh, turned me on to him. Sorry, and uh, so, yeah. So I consider you, from my perspective, it's just my perspective, an expert on on Israel. And as you just qualified, as we say at the very end of the show, you don't know anything, right? Right. And we talk about that at the very end of the show. The only way we learn is by not knowing and being willing to learn. Correct. And the willingness to learn is, comes from first believing that you don't know. Right. And you're, ne- <laughs> and you're never going to... Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. 
arrived, right, right. as opposed to yes. somebody who yes. has credentials yeah. and says, I am yeah. the expert, and yeah. boy, are you lucky to have me here. It's a mindset, in other right. words. Exactly. And, it's a mindset. and yeah. I have to be careful because I choose to more downplay anything I may mm. know, mm. but knowing means nothing. Yes, Just right. to know a fact or a detail or a scintillating combination of details uh, is nothing. It's less than nothing. It's less than nothing. But it is a, as you say, a mindset that is essential to learning. That's correct. That's exactly right. You cannot learn if you know everything. Right, right. <laughs> or if you're, quote unquote, and, I, and I, I appreciate it, but if you accept in your own spirit that hey i am an expert mm. that's to me just to me as my personality makeup that's a dangerous place to be well the, the the people i know who think that of themselves yeah you can't tell them anything right because they know and they'll challenge you immediately. yeah exactly yeah. they aren't willing to listen to even what you say because they know right and so i never want to be that guy or that gal whoever Right. I don't want to, and you you don't want to be that. And the reason, the way we do it is that because the Bible is so full of great truths that for many people are undiscovered because they know. Right. And once you know, you don't see it. Right. You yeah. don't see anything. Right. So uh, we're going to talk about that in a second when we get into Catholic light. So stay tuned for that, folks. So uh, okay. So you know, there's a there's a process that I use to decide truth. And, and I know you have you have a way of looking at it too, and I just want to share it with our listeners, uh, because, folks, you, to me it's it's important that you have a a, a process that you go through to to find uh, what is true and whether or not it is true. And I'm just going to give you mine right now, and then we can we can go from there. The the first question I ask is: Is it in the Bible? If I can't find it in the Bible right away, I suspend belief okay i'm not sure about it i don't i don't accept it out of hand because if i if i can't find that idea in the bible i you know the next thing is what do people who know way a lot more than me say about this so the first is the bible the second is what do people who know way more than i do what do they say about this idea and then the third thing is i i apply reason to it i apply logic to it does this make sense does it even make sense and then the fourth thing is, I try it out, or I try to apply it in my life to see if it actually works. And if those four things are all harmonized, I believe it. I think it's true. And I go with it. And I'll give you an example. Uh, God is love. Okay, does it say that in the Bible? Yes, it does. Are there people who have know a lot more than me say that's true? Yes, they do. Does it make sense, God is love? Well, kind of not. It does, but it kind of not. But what happens when I apply love in my life? It makes sense. When I apply it, I see it. It makes sense to me that God is love. And there can be no other love other than the love of God. And that's the most powerful thing. And I came to it with those four kind of criteria and it all harmonized together and I knew that God was love I've never questioned it ever since then so that's how I come to an understanding of what is true I do this with politics as well I do it with uh, I do it with social media as well I do it with uh, 
any kind of a speech I hear somebody give or, or any kind of a book somebody writes. Uh, and as I go through the book or listen to the speech, I can, you know, apply this to it and come away with some truth sometimes. And then some other stuff I go, though, that's not really true. Uh, because it's not in the Bible or smart people don't think that's true or you know what I mean and so what happens if one of my four don't don't register I suspend belief I don't say it's wrong I say well I can't accept that as the truth because one of my four boxes says no so I'll just hold on to it but I'll and I'll talk about it but I won't go this is wrong that's nobody nope that's it's not in the Bible, therefore it's wrong. No, I don't do that. I just say, well, I, you know, I can't support that. I can't, uh, you know, I can't be all the way in that. So, Neil, when you when you look at uh, something to determine it's true, what, how, how do you do it? Well, first of all, as, as you know, because we're talking to believers who uh-huh. have a spirit of God, it's uh-huh. the thing I always tell you, it's a God sense. Yeah. Does it ring yeah, true? Yeah, God sense. I love that, God sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that just means yeah. a sense of God. Mm. It doesn't mean that everything you think or every thought that comes your way is correct, mm. right? Quite the opposite. But does something ring true? And so that would be my first thought, is does it ring true? Because usually when you hear something novel for mm. the first time, you're, as a human being, your reaction is to uh, knee-jerk and try to find a hundred reasons maybe to counter it or whatever, depending on the situation. So uh, for me, though, it, and as I've shared with you, you have your four boxes, and that's good, but there's a very ancient uh, Jewish rabbinic mm. A thought pattern that basically is called, it's an acronym, PARDIS, in mm. the first step or the first rung of the ladder, because everything's thought of as Jacob's ladder, ascending, mm. descending, and ascending to, yeah. to, to heaven, right? Yep. And so when you yep. study the Bible, you're trying to ascend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and your first rung, your first step is, what does the plain and literal, mm. what does the plain and literal say? Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, that can be complicated because, as you and I have talked, oftentimes the plain and literal is, in fact, the hardest part to really embrace mm. and just accept, the mm-hmm. plain and literal. It yeah. says this, so I believe this. Mm-hmm. Not that it's allegorized or it's metaphor or there's a secret meaning that really means something different. No. I believe exactly the plain and literal. Now, that can cause its own problems. I get that. and that We won't go off on that tangent, but that's the first step. So another another way of saying that is you accept it on face value. Well, you have... What, what right. does it say? Right. And, of course, we're going to process yeah. that, as you said, with all kinds of our of assumptions yes. and our place on the globe yep. and, you know, whether yep. we're influenced by Freudian thought yep. or Greek thought in the past mm-hmm. or this mm-hmm. philosopher or that mm-hmm. philosophy that was... Uh, rampant in the culture because that controls your thought just like today we're mm-hmm. controlled by our thought you know mm-hmm. you can say for instance oh that came out of my subconscious oh I, that's an oedipus <laughs> complex oh my id must be you know that's so yeah. second nature for us because that's where we begin processing okay. so, so if the you, plain and literal if you suspend that as yep. much as you can yes. Yes. as much as a human can yes. you just say i accept the plain, plain. And literal. Yes, very good. Yeah. And then? Well, the, 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 the Pardis has, has the wrong, it, it's actually kind of four steps and then there's sub steps, but basically the, the acronym goes the plain and literal, then the REMES, which is you put together like 
verses, not mm-hmm. disparate verses. Mm-hmm. You don't put together a judgment verse mm-hmm. with a healing verse necessarily mm-hmm. and say, therefore, it means X. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the Hebrew, if it used the same words, the mm. same, I've seen mm. this before, I've read this before, mm. it's mentioned, let's just pull one out, Damascus before, so I'll get all the verses that say Damascus and see what mm. I can find. Mm. Then you take your next step up and you do what's called, in Hebrew, drosh or midrosh, midrash. Mm. Same thing that Jesus did with, they're called parables. Mm-hmm. He told a story so you could, from the story, glean mm-hmm. a spiritual truth. Mm-hmm. And then the last and final is sowed and that's called secret a sowed and that's what paul said behold i tell you a secret Mm. okay Mm. not all of you will or mystery or mystery right there there, there's more to it and the fact is if you stay at the plain and literal that's the safest place what does it say what does it what what does it mean and that becomes its own difficulty of just accepting and applying Mm. and in our case Mm -hmm. the plain and literal always says god loves israel Mm. They are the first. They are the last. I did. I created that lineage for a purpose. The land is mine. I own the land. I give it to Israel to basically live on, mm. <laughs> kind yeah. of, so to speak. Yeah. And those are the kind of things that, while they're plain and literal, they threw people in times past into a tailspin because these same people perhaps were just as sincere as you or I, as we've often discussed, right? Yes. But it could not mean what it's saying Mm. so therefore i will do what all humans do i will try to make sense out of this plain and literal and readjust it but in our day it's right before us that's that's really great and and uh so so to submit you know so i by the way folks i don't know if you you saw it but i i have a a sense that the way neil does it and the way i do it are very similar uh but they're not the same Mm-hmm. Right, very, but it's very similar. And one of the ways it's very similar is Neil and I. It's it's more than just what we think, okay. And in fact, we put things to the test with these ways that we each have to determine what we think. We actually use this process to determine what we think. And if you ever come at something already thinking that you know. You have done what's called prejudice. Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at ArmyHistory.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Test yourself. And you have a bias. And guess what? You're not going to see the things that disagree with that. You've deceived yourself. You've deceived yourself entirely. And we're going to get into this with Catholic Light in a minute. Okay. So, not in a minute. We're going to get into, the, into it right now. Hmm. So, so, Neil, let's move on to Catholic Light and, and talk about 
what we see, how we see that uh, to be, you know, in our third segment here. So, so Catholic light, as I defined it, is the idea that churches like Lutheran, Luther the first one, and Calvin, and those, they 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 broke away from the Catholic Church, and they restated certain doctrines. But there is a single doctrine that they haven't ever changed from the original Catholic view. And that is that the Christian church is Israel. Right. The Christian church is Israel. And that God is done with the old Israel. And the new Israel, the church, has taken its place. And that's the Catholic light idea. Right. That most churches that broke away retain that belief. That mindset. That, that mindset. That overriding concept yep. or ideas yep. when they yep. approach the plain and yep. literal yep. meaning of the Bible. Exactly. In other words, as you put it, Jeff, we uh, broke away or were pushed away one or the other. Or but the other. with that, even in our rejection yep. of certain mm-hmm. rites or rituals mm-hmm. of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. it's in reaction to the Catholic Church. So you can say to yourself, I'm not affected by Catholics. I have this doctrinal difference and that doctrinal difference, and they do this, and how dare they? And you could get into hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. But it's all in reaction to Mm. the Roman Catholic Church. Yes, it's reaction. That's not a separatism when you do that. That's not. not asking God, which you were trying to allude to, is, God, I have a thought. I can't help it. You created me with a mind that works. (laughs) But how do you see this? Yes. How do you how do you look at this? Right? What's your opinion about Mm -hmm. this? And I give and I grant you that the Bible's clear that often too many concepts are too big for us. Mm -hmm. The you know, God Himself has chastised more than one person asking them, Where were you when I did this and that and this? In other words, I don't tell a third grader how to do advanced trigonometry because it's a wasted effort, right? It, it, they don't have the capacity. There, there's to no understand. capacity. Yeah, right. But you can still say, God, do you see A, B, C, or D, whatever is before us today, mm-hmm. or this verse, these verses, so that I don't get off on some tangent and create some made-up doctrine and I've got 20 people mm-hmm. who follow me and they're, we're all in some crazy cult kind of thing. How do I stay true in God? How do you look at it? And that's where if you have a God sense, he'll kind of help filter that card, those cards out so that you can say, I don't know precisely, I don't know specifically, but generally I know it's this. So now this, Neil, goes to, you know, so my, my, the question that comes to me immediately is why, why do people do this? Why, why do they come to it with a view automatically? And you made a comment before we, before we started about how people learn at the beginning of their process. And what, what's, what's that called again? Yeah, it's called the, uh, the Law of First Learned. The, the Law of First Learned. And? And, and that is uh, whatever you have first heard, mm. whatever you have first been taught, whatever you have first accepted as true, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, right? Mm-hmm. That is the most ingrained, that is the most viable, tangible physical, if you will, in your spirit, reality that is the hardest to dislodge, even if once proved it's erroneous. Wow. So whatever you've been told about yourself could be the biggest lie ever. Mm -hmm. That's true to you. 
It's true. Whatever you've been told about A, B, C, or D, whatever that is, from your parents, from a pastor, from a friend, whatever you've embraced and accepted, you first learned it, that thing that's Mm -hmm. now real to you Mm -hmm. is the hardest to dismiss. In other words, I know people up here, to give you one, and there's hundreds of examples that come to mind, but I am deathly afraid, speaking for this person, of of snakes in Minnesota, and sometimes I think they're in my room. Well, you know, nobody generally likes poisonous snakes. Generally, but I, I, they're not in my top. They're yet. not. They're no, no, but they're not in your room either in no, Minnesota, no, right? No, no, so you don't have to walk. Around, but these right. people walk around afraid because somewhere they learned stuff like that, or or other examples of sure. God's done with Israel. The church is Israel for our example. Mm-hmm. I learned this from a great man of God who was a prayer warrior, and he told me, and he taught me, and therefore it's true. So this this is so. I'm a parent. I have a three year old, or a four year old, or a five year old, and they they come to me with a question, and it might be a question about God or politics or whatever it is, and I just tell them what to believe. Yeah, because they that's what they want to know. Mm-hmm. What do we think about this, Mom? And, well, we think this. Oh, okay, great, I got it. So then that becomes true for the child and can stay that way their entire life. Their entire life. It it can stay that way. Right. Unless they have a process for discerning and understanding truth or they develop God sense, as you said to it. And God sense automatically makes you ask questions. Right. You know, you automatically start asking them when you have God sense. You right. don't accept anything at face value. Uh, well, you, you may, you, but you, you may begin with, as we talked about, face value. You may begin with that, but you, you want to prove it out. You want to make sure. Sure. And you want to find out, is it true? Well, we know because God uh, uh, excels at asking questions. Uh, we read about it throughout the Bible. Jesus did it all the time. All the time. It was a common Hebraic thing. They didn't take offense. If somebody asked you a question, it wasn't just a challenge. It was to challenge for, well, by what authority? Tell me something about why you're giving this opinion. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Jeff, uh, you're very correct, whether it's uh, biblical truth or just what you eat, just what you accept. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who just, it was. he said it was revelation one day when he got m- many years older. We were far older. He said, I realized, wait. I could pull into a McDonald's, and wait a minute, a Damascus road light came on. I could order anything from this menu I wanted. Well, since I was a kid, I only thought I could order A, B, and C, and that was all I could order at McDonald's. That, that's an example, an extreme example, but that's what happens with the idea of what did you learn first? Well, he was taught first that you go to McDonald's, you get these things, and that's it. And only later life one day he said, wait, wait. Hold the phone. You mean I could order a large sandwich instead of a small? <laughs> you know, whatever it was. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so the law first learned uh, kind of sets the table or sets our mind or sets our belief system off on a footing. On a footing. On a footing, and That's that right. tends that tends to linger unless we question it and prove it out to ourselves. And even at that, Jeff, as we've discussed, you you are. We as humans are still uh, constrained, uh, constricted, and constrained by the idea of what's the prevailing assumptions, mm-hmm. what's the prevailing culture, what's the prevailing idea. Well, well, not often articulated specifically, 
we are influenced by what we assume, whether it's in denominations mm -hmm. or whether it's just the culture at large. We said before we started, this culture at large is very familiar with the Freudian ideas. We mm -hmm. even throw stuff out all the time that, that grab from the idea of Freud as being a starting point of mm -hmm. truth. We read about the Greek culture where people started there, mm -hmm. different philosophies. Mm -hmm. they, yep. they had to start processing from that. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with Catholic light that I call it. Mm -hmm. Protestants, mm -hmm. people who are sincere, mm -hmm. they're still influenced by the idea of the Roman Catholicism, Roman Catholic teaching that influences their processing. And often negatively, as we're trying to point out, that if it's against Israel... Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, that, that that is contrary to the plain and literal representation of God as written in the pages, which kind of brings us back full circle where you said, how did you get to know Israel? And I said, very simple. I read the Bible, yeah. and it said Israel, yeah. and it said I love you forever, yeah. and I'll regather you someday, and you'll be in a specific geographical location, and everybody will hate you. And I'm looking at the news, and I'm saying, hmm. That fits. Yeah. That fits. Yeah. So it's so interesting to me, Neil, that the uh, uh, the way you know we talk about this a lot. The Catholic uh, the Catholic view of replacement theology that the Church is Israel now, and Israel, the old Israel, doesn't really matter anymore, uh, has endured. Right. It has endured in the Church. Sure. And it is a. a a f one of the first learns, if you like, and it's uh, why why does it harm the church to do this? Why does it harm the church to ignore Israel? Why does it matter? Well, it, it matters in in a number of ways. I mean, just as you said, perhaps some Catholics somewhere, and it's not just about Catholics because this brought a podcast can go into all over the world where maybe Roman Catholicism isn't the predominant culture, but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how you look at it. You're right. still influenced by whatever. Yep. Yep. As pertains to our issue, though, about why does that matter about replacement, well, Rome calls itself the eternal city. Well, oh. we know there's only one eternal city. Mm -hmm. We know that. Mm -hmm. We know that the Roman church morphed from the Roman Empire, and many scholars for many years talked about a revived Rome. But hang on a second. I'm going to challenge you there because... Hmm. The concept of first learned, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm t raised a certain way and I'm told from the get-go, right, the get-go, that Rome is the eternal city, right, and I'm raised up to believe that, right, right, mm -hmm. you can't, ch it's going to be hard to change that. Yeah, very difficult. Right. And that was your question, I think, yeah. about why does it harm? Well, yeah. it harms because you're predisposed to such a degree that you don't even know you're reading right past the plain and literal, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I've read right past that. I've immediately contextualized this in my subconscious, if you will, to use the mm -hmm. Freudian idea. Mm -hmm. I've, I've either read right past it or I've put it in the bucket that says, while it says X, Israel, it really means Y, Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and our point is not to get into doctrinal differences or yeah. to bash Catholics, how could they be this way? Yeah. Our point is to say it's important that when you start to open these alive writings yeah. that point to this reality of a spiritual realm that's yeah. soon to be manifest, yeah. both bad and good, by the way, mm -hmm. um, you're not so predisposed mm -hmm. as to be so biased 
that you can't even see or even comprehend the very plain and literal. And that becomes the battle for your mind because, Jeff, if I control what you think, I control your actions. And once I do that, I own you. Yeah, that's you true. are my slave. That's right. And that's what happens in the demonic realm. They control your thought, mm. so then they control your actions, mm. and now they own you. So indoctrination is the term, right? Indoctrination is uh, I'm giving you a way of thinking. I'm giving you a way of thought. I'm giving you a way of understanding. I'm giving you practices. Right. I'm giving you the these things. And these are correct, and these are true. And you must do them because... They are, and if you so, if you raise a generation like that, and if you think about our current situation right. in the world that we're in right now, and how children are being raised up, and what they are being led to believe as true, right? Is as true. It's uh, you know, there's a lot of correlation here. Well, there's no difference, uh, you know, when you look at what was happening in the New Testament Mm -hmm. and you look at the the parties that are represented there. Mm -hmm. We talked about them a little. The Sadducees are very well represented in the New Testament writings. The Pharisees are very well represented in the New Testament writings. The Essenes, more by inference than specifically called out. And then what Josephus called the fourth philosophy, this overarching thing of Israel. Those people had a mindset It was all based basically coming from the Torah and the writings, the Mm -hmm. prophets and Mm -hmm. so on, Mm -hmm. biblical and extra biblical, Mm -hmm. of their centrality. Mm -hmm. They thought they were central, and they were correct, Mm -hmm. and they are correct today, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. So if you raise the generation of kids like we have today, young people, right? Yes. And you tell them, this is what love is, Mm -hmm. and anybody who does something different is a hater. Right. They're evil. Yes. Well, once you've... Once you've pointed somebody as evil, yeah, as Adolf Hitler did and his oh and his henchmen, they they understood this oh psychological concept yes. so well and spiritual concept mm-hmm. that it, it becomes incumbent mm-hmm. on you, yeah. as a loving person, yes, to do something about that cancerous evil person, yes, who doesn't think like you, yes. And it becomes based on what you've created, which again goes back to our idea of either the Jacob's Ladder with the Pardis or your Mm -hmm. four boxes, Mm -hmm. something that keeps you solidly as much as possible in the idea of being orthodox, if you will, kosher, if you will. Kosher or correct or right. That's consistent with the scripture and not inconsistent. So as we've talked about, Jeff, it's important to know that these concepts can lead you astray. It's a battle for your mind. You must ask God, how do you look at things? Not how does my teacher, preacher, doctor, uh, uh, sect, denomination look at things. But God, I've read this. This seems contradictory, and it often is contradictory. What's the plain and literal, and how do you look at it? And that becomes the battle for this whole idea of Catholic light. So the idea of Catholic light isn't about the Catholics necessarily or, or the Catholic Church. It's about a predetermined mindset about, in our case, Israel. Right. Right? Our case, Israel. But about truth in general. And that's right? how we use the term Catholic yeah. light. Yeah. It's a mindset. That's why we use that, that, that term. Because it's an example it's of an example. of how uh, that that predetermined mindset can affect your inability to see the truth in something. Just like if we were in uh, Hellenized uh, Jewish times, uh, and we said, "Jeff, I, I 
I, I use the term stoic light or mm. epicurean light yeah. or or something like this. It, yeah. it just we're we're trying to say. It, we're not trying to point out all the doctrinal differences of Roman Catholicism, mm-hmm. just like we went with the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses mm-hmm. or anybody else who's got their doctrinal. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of what's influencing and informing our approach to understand as best we can the plain and literal meaning. And if we do that, we come to the idea that Israel is central. Mm-hmm. They're back in the land. Mm-hmm. It said it would be this way before the presaging of the Messiah. And so on. So all the sort of details we can disagree on, nobody knows precisely. We have all kinds of doctrinal differences, health, healing, rapture, no rapture, uh, all kinds of things. But all we can agree on from the plain and literal is there's Israel, there's the ancient people, no other ancient people, no other ancient people. That's right. There's Jerusalem, the ancient city, never been a capital of any people Mm -hmm. but the Jews, Mm -hmm. but the Israelites, Mm -hmm. ever. There's the geographical dot on the globe that God says, that land is my land, Mm -hmm. right in front of us today, and how do I not be so influenced by a doctrinal point that steers me away from just accepting the plain mm. and literal that's mm. before me today. Wow. So I hope this helps you guys uh, as, as we uh, end this broadcast uh, to think about what you think about. That's the goal, to think about what you think about, to ask yourself, why do I believe what I believe, and to come up with a way for you to begin to understand what is and what it all means. Apply this thinking to to especially the Bible, you you begin to see right away, like I did a week ago or two weeks ago, that that the Bible begins in the Middle East and ends in the Middle East. So it must be important all the way through the book. I, I want you to think about that right now. Ask yourself the question, why does the Bible begin in the Middle East and why does it end in the Middle East? if the Middle East isn't important. Yeah, and more even specifically, if you wanted to even drill down further, yes, the Middle East, for sure, we know Abraham came and all this stuff, but Jerusalem, it specifically revolves around that dot on the globe, Israel, and specifically Jerusalem, and we can dial down right to a temple. All these points we made today are all about that. This has been a great discussion for this episode of Israel, Why is the Middle East important? I look forward to how this continues to unfold. As you can tell, Neil and I enjoy talking about the subject as it helps us to get to the root of the matter about God and why Israel and the Middle East are so important. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at our home at Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? That's Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? And you can find us on Facebook using that same title. And you can email us at whyisthemiddleeastimportant at gmail.com. That's whyisthemiddleeastimportant at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please invite your friends to the conversation. One thing Neil and I always say to each other is, I don't know. Because the only way we know is to not know. Once you have it all figured out, you stop learning. And that state of mind is what helps us to learn and grow. We invite you into that journey with us. From Neil Johnson and me, Jeff Pelletier, Shalom.
and see you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.